Good evening, friends, <clears throat> and welcome to the show of Mirror Wisdom Reflected. It's a pleasure to have good times around rather than what we were the last time we spoke with Dr. Sashant Joshi and Tushar. Fortunately, despite this wave of COVID, which has come like a huge big tsunami to, into Bombay and India, we are way better in Bombay and the wave shall be receding in the rest of the country too. We are trying to get our municipal commissioner, the famous Iqbal Chahal, next very soon to give us the current update on what's happening on the COVID scenario. He's been the leader who has come in the forefront and led from the front, being there at every possible checkpoints to see that we get out of this trouble so quickly. So friends, you know, mirror wisdom reflected is something very interesting. Herein I host people who are so very interesting, who are accomplished, who are dynamic, absolutely role models and result oriented. So I act as a mirror to reflect the wisdom they have. We have had from varied singers to actors to everybody who have revealed their personal life as to what is there in their life, what's behind the show, what is the reality. Shashank gave us a great insight last time and Dr. Mahadev also from Ahmedabad was very sweet and giving us the insight on COVID. But today I have the pleasure of having a very important person and everybody despite COVID was very much worried about how and what to do about eating, die eating or dieting. So the fuel in the human body, F-U-E-L that we need, the Gujarati calls it Jataragni, is food. And what we eat is what we are. And as I mentioned earlier, that if we do not make our food medicine, then we'll have to take medicines as food in the later days of life. Because me being a doctor, I see patients who tell me that I have more medicines than chapatis or rice today. Let not that be the way for you in life. We have with us Kinita Kadakya Patel, who has been a sports nutrition and a body transformation and a health management guru. At a very young age, she's achieved a lot. She's one of the India's leading nutritionists and a winner of various nutrition awards. Kinita is voted as one of the best in the country, and I would endorse that too. She specializes in, in sports-specific diets along with weight management. She's established a leading nutrition center called Meal, M-E-A-L, Meal Pyramid, and has a few branches in Mumbai. Her center focuses on sports nutrition, muscle gain, fat loss, kids' nutrition, and therapeutic diets. Wow. We're going to get her into the depth of each of these muscle gain and fat loss. Now, these are diametrically like two sides of the same coin. Don't both don't look at each other. How do we make them two together is what we're going to be talking about. Kirita is an internationally renowned nutritionist who worked with us on some of the leading sportsmen, celebrities and organizations. Her clientele includes a lot of national and international level athletes, Bollywood stars, top models and heavyweights from the corporate world. She's the official sports nutritionist for the Mumbai Indians team of the Indian IPL. Addition to various affiliations and recognition awards, Kinita has been awarded the best nutritionist of the year by Vogue. Wow, fantastic. And she's an external expert consultant for the GSK Human Performance Lab and is also the first Indian global representative for the professional in nutrition for exercises and sports, Pines. She also heads the nutritional department at the Exercise Science Academy, ACSM, the American College of Sports Medicine, and is the author of the book, the athlete in you published in 2016 
Recently, Kenita has been nominated as a jury member for the second edition of Times Entrepreneur Award 2020. So she's a fit human being, smiling, always being there. And without much hesitation, she said, yes, it'll be a great pleasure to join us today and listen to us. Kitty, the first question, welcome to the show and thank you for being with us. Thank you. Absolute pleasure. I wish we could have taken more questions and lesser introduction on me. Uh, we could we could next time just tell them, okay, just Google her and let's just begin with the questions. <laughs> Lovely. Great way to go. But Kinida, you are too young. And tell me the first Raj. How did you manage to achieve so much at such a young age? You know, uh, honestly, uh, I'm working since I was 18 years old. And I, I, I did so many jobs and I kept studying simultaneously. At one point, I realized that I am learning so much at every stage, at every step. It is time to now just get all this knowledge together and set up a center. So I started a center very early in age that I would definitely agree to. But I also started working very, very early in life because I always felt that whatever you study in books is very different from the practical world outside. And for me, it never made sense if I could not apply what I was reading. And, and that was one thing which always, from the time I was 16, 17 years old and I got the opportunity to start working, I took up that challenge and I said, let me, let me see when you apply what you're reading, when you apply what you're studying, is it exactly the way it is? And that experience gathered for like almost four or five years. And then I started my center and my centers are almost 15 years old now. So uh, you are 25. You started at the age of 10. You said, "What did you say?" I am not sharing the 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 counting down at, on my age, but yes, I did start very early. Nita, <laughs> <laughs> tell me, there are dime a dozen dietitians available across the country. Yeah. What is it that differentiates you from somebody else? Result. You know, basically, nobody follows anyone but results. How yes. do you manage to do that? What is it that makes you different from the others? I'm not different. Doc, I'm not different. I We study the same books. We gather the same research papers. We read the same research papers. Uh, what only makes me different, and this is not me saying, this is, this is what I have been told, is my sheer one-to-one -one connect with my clients. I'm too involved with what they are achieving. I am... Um, I am a go-getter with my clients' results are concerned. I do not give up on my clients. I have never given up on, on a client. And uh, I think that's what makes me different. And I guess for me, it's always about the journey. It is not about the result. If I have managed to teach the client how to eat better, it's not just, I have never flashed a summer sale of five kgs or a beach body, get it in two months. I don't think I've ever done that in 15 years of my life. So for me, it's all about that connect that I create with my client. And I'm assuming from my experience and feedback that that's what makes me different. Wonderful. Thanks. That is very important because, you know, I remember a talk by one dietitian, senior dietitian. Hmm. She said very clearly that if one plan works for everyone, we'll all dietitians will be jobless. Exactly. Right? Yeah. That's, that's so very interesting. Now, tell me the journey of dieting that I've been listening to over a period of time. Earlier was eat every two hours. And then now we come to the great fact that you eat only twice a day. 
or you have intermittent fasting of say 16 and 8 hours or 18 and 6 hours how has this changed because one may work for somebody and one may not work for somebody yeah. what the present fad you know most important is the present fad everybody is looking at is intermittent fasting and those who are feeling left out does it work for everyone let's answer this in two parts yeah. okay first nutrition is extremely evolving as a science okay and it has reached a stage where we we many times eat our own words because if you would go backtrack a journey of nutrition 20 years back said that if your cholesterol is high don't eat egg yolks if your uh, you know if your levels are going off the roof uh, if your sugars are high don't do beetroots you know there are these certain kind of concepts alu mat khao chawal mat khao but the nutrition science has evolved so much that we have gathered information and got them down to a scientific concentrated level and today i think we have reached a point where we are saying uh, no this kind of research is different because there are different population studies and there are different kind of people who are responding differently to the yolk in the diet and no yolk in the diet so yes we eat our own words and that is why the key is moderation whatever you do make sense out of it and do it moderately okay don't do excess of something and don't withdraw a food group completely that's where i think people go wrong now the second part of your question which was fad diets fad diets when you define a fad diet means something that comes in fashion it's in vogue and you enjoyed it for that season it gave you some good feeling about wearing it and then there was a next change in season right so that's why we call it fad it's very very short lived the reason why we call it fad it because it is extremely result oriented extremely result oriented like you would be shocked with the kind of results that it can show you but it is not sustainable okay now the definition of putting something into a fad diet is where the challenges are happening today someone would call a intermittent fasting a fad diet someone would call ketogenic diets a fad diet but there is a huge difference someone would call being vegan a fad diet but let's come to intermittent fasting intermittent fasting is a lifestyle change the reason why it does not apply to everyone is because everybody responds differently so when you want to do an intermittent fasting on a client it has to be under the guidance of a nutritionist you cannot just pick it up from the net and say acha kaliti na i am going to do intermittent i am not going to eat and then you wake up in the morning and say okay i'm just going to eat two meals a day there are a lot of underlying factors there is there could be digestive issues there could be blood pressure medications that you're taking you could be on insulin you could be having acid reflux issues you cannot just generalize this with an and let's assume there are no clinical conditions okay and you got you woke up and you decided to get onto a ketogenic diet if you don't do it the right way it is going to backfire there is a ketogenic diet and there is a keto adapted diet the concept is to adapt to a ketogenic diet which is which takes a lot of time just doing it for 3 weeks 4 weeks is not going to give you the kind of benefit you want to achieve so fad diets is also very subjective it's not the best way to look at it it is something that 
if you want to do it i would again recommend please do it under the guidance of a professional don't just wake up one day and like you say don't self medicate don't self diet it does not work very interesting now now that you're saying how do you decide that which person will be good with that every 2 hour meal kind of a diet to reduce his acidity and other things who would be good for a keto who would be good for an intermittent fasting or anything how do you decide on what basis do you make a decision that this will work a very important point even as the doctor that you're trying to tell me let your nutritionist decide because yeah. a lot of people read on bombay times page 3 yeah. and suddenly want to do a keto diet or they yeah. want to do the atkins diet or yeah. they also want to do uh, intermittent fasting because everybody's doing yeah so yeah. You, are you saying in no uncertain word that intermittent dieting or any kind of dieting is not the panacea for the final answer it's not the elixir you Absolutely have tailor made it for every in separate individual is that what you're saying yes that's exactly what i'm trying to say how would i figure whether it works for some someone or not is only through sheer interaction over a couple of weeks so when i get a client the way i work is my first session i don't tell them okay i am a promoter of ketogenic diet i'm going to give you a ketogenic diet no it takes me a couple of weeks to understand the client's system i go with a very basic way of working over a couple of weeks there could be a client who does not need any of this they might not require now when would you do a ketogenic diet i'll tell you i do a ketogenic diet with my athletes okay why do i do it with an athlete an athlete needs to adapt to utilize his fat stores more effectively as a source of energy when you utilize fat as a source of energy you produce less lactic acid so when we are in our off season we work with keto adapted diets with our athletes which is called metabolic adaptation would i do it for weight loss i i highly doubt it if i would do it for weight loss i would do it for probably someone who is um maybe a bodybuilder again trying to adapt maybe someone who is very very involved with his body type maybe for an actor for an on screen shot i might do it for some time but see that's how i would judge when i want to do it uh, do a diet like a ketogenic diet with somebody now let's come to intermittent fasting yeah let me just expand on this keto diet what you said you said something very interesting and important you are saying more of a keto diet for an athlete yes. or a sports person or yes. somebody who's using massive calories yes not for a sedentary person is that no. is that the message that you're giving yes me? it's the message i'm trying to give it's the message that i've been trying to give for a very long time that if you are going to pick up a ketogenic diet either make it a lifestyle which will take you 3 to 6 months which again there is yet to study what would be the side effects of a lifestyle change on a ketogenic diet and if you're just going to do it because you want to just lose weight i'm telling you the transformation to then get you off the ketogenic diet is very difficult because then to bring you back to a sustainable lifestyle is is something not a very successful thing that people have seen and especially with women we tend to see a lot of hormonal imbalance uh, certain ages you don't want to apply a ketogenic diet you might still do it when it's safer to try but otherwise it's a very hormonally challenging kind of a diet where ketogenic diets are but i would close my eyes and i would use it on an athlete and i would periodize it in their year and i would definitely consider putting them on it if i'm working on their body composition or fat utilization or metabolic adaptations so a corollary to this all those people who are marathon guys in and yeah. around our area would yeah. you put them on a keto diet no 
Wow. A marathon runner, when wow. he's actively running, is use, utilizing his carbohydrate sources, which is his glycogen sources as a source of energy and mobilizing fat as a source of energy because that's the format of the sport. You are running at a 60% volume of oxygen consumption and beyond one hour, you are going to mobilize fat. But in the off-season of that athlete, I might consider putting them on a ketogenic diet where they might adapt better and they might produce lesser lactic acid. But is that the diet they need to continue being on? No. So the point over here is, if you could run a certain distance or certain volume in a certain time, okay, without carbohydrates. So if you manage to do it on a ketogenic diet, if I give you carbohydrate, you're going to fly. So the idea is to get them to adapt and, and help them mobilize that stored fat as energy and then bring the carbohydrates back into the picture. And carbohydrate is instant energy. They're going to fly. So about guys who are doing uh, muscle training, heavy muscle. Yeah. Would you put them on a keto diet? No. When you're trying to gain muscle mass, when you're trying to gain mass, you need carbohydrate. Your mass is defined as glycogen and fat, your stores, your muscle mass is a combination of these two things. The idea is trying to get the ratio right. You want more lean body mass, you want less fat mass. But when you're achieving muscle gain, you need carbohydrate in the diet. Without the carbohydrate, you're only leaching out the glycogen. Your body is only going to shrink. It's not going to become big. Wow, very interesting because most guys get onto muscle training and they reduce their glycogen intake, you know, whatever yes. kind of glucose intake. Carbohydrate. Carb, yeah. Carbs ultimately go down, which yeah. is not a great time because you need both of them. Yes, However, you need them. Absolutely. You taper them over a period of time. You might keep tweaking that ratio on your macros on carb, protein and fat. But until and unless you want to shrink in size, ketogenic diet is not the way to go when you're trying to gain muscle. Hmm. Immediate shrink in size. Allow me to tell you, this is the age when most men and women between the age of 40 to 60 are trying to lose the belly fat. Yeah. Ever elusive belly fat. Yeah. Let me expand yeah. that. Belly fat, one of the biggest risk factors. Okay, we know that deposition of fat at the belly is one of the biggest risk factors for diabetes and heart diseases. Okay, when you look at that central circumference, which of a male's body is called the apple shaped body, okay, because of the hormones that a male body has, which is higher testosterone, it results into increased deposition on the central part. Okay, you will never see men with big hips. But women, however, because of their higher estrogen levels and because they are supposed to bear a child. Okay, so in order to reduce the shock absorption that comes from the ground, have, have more fat deposition on the hips. However, when there is a shift in a female's body with the hormones, which happens around the menopause, there is a drop in the estrogen levels and there is a comparative increase in the testosterone level. And that is why after menopause, a lot of women complain of fat deposition in the center instead of the hips because of the shift in hormones. So it is classic 
for a male to have deposition on the center. It is classic for a female to have fat deposition on the lower body and after menopause at the central area. But mobilizing this fat has to be the key for any, any individual because belly fat is directly related to heart diseases. Okay, how do you do that? Ah, how do you do that? That's the key, key question. There is only two ways to do it. Right. Exercise and control your diet. There's just two ways. There's just literally no other shortcut to doing this. Okay, what you eat and what you burn. That's it. We only have two answers to this. There is just no third way. So one more corollary to the whole thing. A lot of people keep doing their sit-ups and uh, ab crunches thinking that belly fat will disappear. No. It's the overall fat in the body which reduces. And unfortunately, the last one to go is the belly fat. The mobilization is difficult because you are getting pulled between two circumstances, right? From one side, your hormones are naturally telling you to deposit the fat here. And from the other side, you're creating an involuntary situation where you want to mobilize the fat from here. So the body is fighting this. But at some point, don't give up because at some point, this mobilization will happen because there will be no other fat left in the body to mobilize. Now, since you said something very interesting about hormones, it's been an elusive question for a long time. Not many are aware. Now, do you mean to say women around menopause should be taking their supplements for hormones and men with their testosterone going down around 50s? Should, be, should they be taking growth hormone and testosterone? It's definitely worth considering. Ah, um, point. It's not a no-no. Yeah. It's not an enigma. Absolutely not. There are a lot of women who suffer with some serious, serious... Uh, hormonal related issues uh, they cannot handle the shift in the in the levels uh, but that does not mean every female qualifies for uh, taking a hormone replacement uh, if you really are seeing extreme changes and becoming a different personality uh, we can start slightly with certain dietary options but broadly, it must then be monitored under the guidance of a gynecologist and consider whether you need to do this. Similarly, for men, uh, they, can, they can speak to an endocrinologist if they're seeing a lot of, lot of change in their testosterone, in their growth hormones, in their uh, levels, in their sex drive, in their libidos. So it is definitely something not worth ignoring. Uh, they, but luckily, we can do pathological tests. And from the diet also, there are a lot of foods that can help you balance the hormones in men and in women. So uh, along with that, a lot of support can be given through the food. Very important. This is something so important that if your diet, so every stage, Kenita, you're convincing me every two minutes that I should meet you only. That's the only way out. I cannot <laughs> my reading books and I cannot take it by any experts written down in all these Bombay times. So you need somebody to guide you across the whole pathway yes. almost every single day with your meal. Absolutely. That's something interesting as a passing reference. You said it takes about an hour for the fat to start burning. I yeah. thought it was 20 minutes. No. So you have your first 30 minutes where you're getting into the whole 
zoom. So we have different energy systems, right? Your energy system starts with whatever energy is circulating. That is your right. ATP, which is the quick energy. The next is coming from creatine phosphate. So you have energy system from ATP. Then you have creatine phosphate, which will last you for a few seconds more, up to almost a couple of minutes. Then you have you already have circulating blood glucose. You have free fatty acids. You have amino acids. All this is circulating. So your body is in good shape for the first 10-15 minutes, utilizing it from all these places. Then it starts using carbohydrate, that is the glycogen, as a store, as a source of energy. Now, after 30 minutes, what kind of workout you are doing decides the mobilization of the fat. If you're going to continue with endurance, then there is going to be an overlap of energy systems. Okay, so you are going to be doing a little bit of carbohydrate, a little bit of fat, little more carbohydrate, little bit of fat, then more fat, more fat, more fat, less carbohydrate. By the time it is one hour of endurance, we have already started mobilizing a lot of fat and very little carbohydrate. However, if you decide to stop at a 30, 40 minute mark, you are not mobilizing fat, but you might land up using this fat for recovery. Because when you're in your recovery state and metabolically your body is demanding a certain amount of energy for recovery of the muscles because a 30-minute workout is always very intense. So a 30-minute anaerobic intense workout is not using fat for active workout. It is using fat for recovery workout. A beyond 30-40 minute workout is utilizing fat as an active source of energy and not as a recovery source of energy. So again, it comes to if you're doing your cardio, Yes. You're not burning more calories later on during the day. But whereas no, you are not. if you're doing muscle training together with yes. cardio, you're burning calories through the day. Is that correct? Yes, correct. So you should combine the two. One day cardio, one should one day. Again, very subjective. I wouldn't call this as a thumb rule. Uh, also, the kind of uh, weight training, resistance training, strength training, interval training, high interval resistance training. There are a lot of different kind of workouts that can be done. And there is... No one workout which is considered to be like, okay, classic strength training is the best. No, it's nothing like that. We have to figure. Not everybody would respond well with an alternate thing. Generic, yeah, you should have both of them as a part of your workout protocols. But how much of which workout you should do, again, get an expert opinion. Thank you so much. Every time making it very clear that I have no choice but an expert. Now, tell me, what about protein supplements? Gujubai especially, how much proteins do we need? One to two grams per kilogram weight, so-called in medical science. Now, Gujubai hardly have anything. Yeah. And how is it possible for vegetarians, not just uh, Gujubai, I'm saying for vegans and vegetarians to get their protein supply for the day? Yeah. Protein is a very important nutrient. Uh, in multiple ways, height, uh, height in the muscle training world where it is considered to be a magic ingredient and hyped in the negative way with many people assuming it's going to give them a kidney disorder. Okay, now a protein intake, a minimal protein intake is extremely crucial in your diet for multiple reasons. The first one is it is required for correcting the ratio of carbohydrate, protein and fat. A diet is not complete if all these three macronutrients are not in the right balance. Um, a lot of communities generally consume a lot of carbohydrate in their diet. Their staple just has more carbohydrate. It's not their fault. It's just the way they eat. So they need to be like a Guju community, a Marwadi diet. They need to be explained, educated the importance of the protein. You cannot directly start a 
two grams per kg body weight for someone who's a Gujarati and just lifting weight without checking his baseline diet. There is a very high possibility that the baseline diet does not have dietary protein. So step one is correct the dietary protein. Step two is bring in a protein supplement, right? And educate at every point that the protein supplement is not going to damage your kidney. Kidney damage happens when it is an already compromised kidney. So protein supplements are very important if your diet is not able to give you enough. But I assure you, vegan diet or vegetarian diet, if we correct the way they are eating, you can still manage to give them 1 to 1.2 grams of protein per kg body weight just with food. Wow. You don't need a supplement. 60 grams protein for a vegetarian is such a tough job. No, it's not. It's the way we plan it. Very important. And what? And another myth which you, I wanted to, and you really touched it very well, that don't be against uh, any protein supplement. Don't be against it. There is, uh, you know, it is, there is nothing to be against any kind of uh, nutrient supplement. See, there are different kinds of supplements. There are some supplements that are ergogenic in nature, which are only performance oriented. Their job is to enhance performance. They are supplements that are only prescribed to enhance performance. However, your vitamins, your protein supplements, say your sports drinks, they are energy giving nutrients. You need to put them in the diet if the rest of the diet is not complete. Hmm. Interesting. Electrolytes while working out. You know, people do intense workout when I'm working at the gym. Yeah. A lot of people take electrolytes. They do the supplements which are the... Uh, is it possible? Yeah. yeah. So, yes, a lot of them need it. But again, electrolytes can be of two types. There could be a sports drink, which has glucose and electrolytes. And there could be a pure electrolyte drink. A pure electrolyte drink is more essential who have extreme sweat losses or have cramping issues. And if there are an underlying issue like that, we, we would prescribe an electrolyte drink only. But if you are an endurance sport runner, if you're someone who is trying to improve your endurance performance, then giving a sports drink, which is a combination of sugar and electrolytes, which are usually isotonic solutions, uh, can be given. But just because you work out does not mean you need this. Okay. So, a note to that, one of the things that a lot of steroids are given in these dietary supplements, I mean, the protein supplements which are available in the market, it's very confusing in a store for a common man to walk in and find out which supplement. If you were to recommend pure, simple supplement without any side effect, which one would you recommend today? Actually, don't make me say a brand because it gets very complicated with me. Uh, it gets uh, a little bit of an endorsement issue here. So yeah. I'm not going to give a brand, but I can definitely guide you how to buy a protein supplement. Okay. First of all, protein supplements need to be sealed. Second of all, when you're buying a protein supplement, if you have a trusted source, then go and get it from a trusted source. If you do not trust the source, protein supplements always have at the bottom the manufacturer and the distributor, okay? Uh, if you are and you've had a bad experience with the protein supplement, email the manufacturer and inform them this is the batch number that you're planning to buy, whether this particular product was when was it manufactured, whether they can vouch for this particular product in this batch number. So you can reduce as much as you can of the adulteration that you feel you could be having. Uh, also, there are certain labels that you can look out for. There are labels like uh, BSCG, 
okay that is banned substances label, uh, label that you can look out for uh, you can look out for a usp label uh, i'm not talking about labels which say non gmo fssai these are not labels that are telling you that this product is uh, free of doping then there are labels like uh, vada world anti doping agency also certifies products there are labels like nsf so when we work with athletes even we fear this so what we do is uh, we find a batch which is uh, which is labeled which is tested which is certified and then we buy the whole lot okay appreciate, so, appreciate your answer now coming to a very important seasonal thing i am a gujjuba i love mangoes can i have mangoes during this season oh, yes, yes. Uh, please and if anyone who doesn't like them you'll don't know you'll have wasted your life because mango is the most amazing fruit super rich on vitamin a excellent source of fiber yes i will not generalize mango in its quantity uh, how much to consume can get a bit specific when it comes to a diabetic when it comes to a weight watcher but i guarantee you i can plan a mango in anybody's diet with any underlying clinical disorder and i would want to plan it because it is such an amazing fruit i'll tweak everything around to fit in a mango for the client so please enjoy your mango do not fear it don't assume it's going to make you gain weight because it's a classic fruit that should not be missed lovely i was waiting to hear this this is music to my ears <laughs> and what about the desi ghee that people want to talk about the much talked about desi ghee so let's understand ghee a little bit okay uh, ghee is a saturated fat okay uh, the way we consume ghee the problem arises that when you consume excess fat with excess carbohydrate that's that's where the issue happens if there is fat along with good proteins this combination is fine but fat with lot of carbohydrate because excess carbohydrate also converts to fat okay that's where the whole mixture goes wrong so if you are having a couple of teaspoons of ghee in the day desi ghee in the day is totally totally allowed it's a great source of fat it's a good source of fat you want to however always buy um a good source ghee because otherwise the hydrogenated fats are again not the right kind of ghee to buy so yeah great appreciate you know that myth surrounding ghee mangoes and the fruits should you be having fruits after a meal or before a meal so fruits have what is known as the carbohydrate is called fructose okay fruit is fructose now fructose is not metabolized like sugar it undergoes a very different form of metabolism and it happens in the liver so your body when you wake up in the morning the liver is completely leached out of the carbohydrate so your first few meals go into just correcting the liver glycogen stores by the time you have reached a certain time in the day and the glycogen stores in the river of liver are full any additional source of carbohydrate which is extra is going to get converted to fat and that is why the problem with eating a fruit at a wrong time after a meal or end of the day is that your liver is saturated you are just unnecessarily going to convert this fruit to fat very important very very interesting answer that you given now comes the famous vegan diet 
milk and milk products so many people have been having it from childhood it was forced down the throat of everyone yeah. i remember a huge billboard saying that if you haven't had a milk on your mouth then there is something you're missing out you're missing out your vitamin d what's your take on the vegan diet the nuances who should take it whether or not good idea and the buttermilk you know how the gujju community loves and the probiotic component mm. let's listen to that okay so let's go step by step first yeah. is milk yeah uh let's say a vegan is not a diet a vegan is a personality it's a choice of life okay so if you are a vegan you are also not wearing animal you are also not killing animal you are also animal loving and you are a uh, just a good human okay doing a vegan because your neighbor was doing it and on the vegan diet she lost 5 kgs and then you took your full leather coated prada bag and went out for dinner is not vegan okay so vegan you cannot call yourself a vegan if you are not a personality who is vegan okay but when you look at vegan as a dietary choice for lot of underlying allergy issues it helps because lactose is a very notorious form of allergen the reason why dairy probably got this extremely poor hype is because it started getting adulterated we wanted more milk production we started pumping hormones and you know we started just having a lot of milk which was not pure like it used to be right am i someone who is uh who completely doesn't believe in dairy no i think dairy is very very important in the right quantity in the day is definitely required but i would definitely source the dairy we need to make sure if you are someone who likes to consume your two glasses of chash and one bowl of dahi and one glass of milk in the day then your source of dairy needs to be organic your source of dairy needs to be an hormone free grass fed uh, animal coming from a cow or a buffalo so yes while i would definitely say vegan go for it high five you should consider being vegan if you are a part of that community but if you are someone who is just doing it for the diet sake then i would say no that's not the way to live fantastic you know what you are trying to emphasize friends what she's saying is a lot of these cows and animals are fed on hormones so they keep lactating continuously with yes. oxytocin and everything and the milk would contain those hormones and what she's yeah. trying to hint to you is that indirectly the early puberty in young girls in the us and otherwise early growth it's because of this the lot of pcod that i have seen in in people yeah. has been partly responsible for the dairy products and that's yes. very interesting so have yeah. organic don't get scared about that unless you have a celiac disease or you have yeah. severe intolerance to mm. milk and its milk products it's a good idea yeah. to have yes and those, for those vegan who are not having milk let's put it for that because it became a fad and as you said so lightly people like to mime their neighbor somebody yeah. lost 5 kg so you know i'm going to start doing that because nothing yeah. else works for me yeah how do they get their probiotic component no so probiotic dairy is not the only source of probiotic right the probiotic is also you or you can also get you so okay let me explain this there is prebiotics and there is probiotics your prebiotics is what you get a lot from fiber 
Okay, so lot of your fiber-rich fruit, uh, foods, your fruits, your vegetables, your grains are very high on prebiotics. Prebiotics convert to probiotics. The probiotics come from anything that is fermented. Okay, so dahi is just one of those probiotics. You have fermented like kefir is a probiotic that also works very well. Supplemental probiotic. You can you know kimchi. Kimchi, that cabbage, that's also a probiotic. So all these are different sources of probiotic that can be added in the diet. Your uh, idli dosa, the natural way of fermentation, is also high on probiotics. Ah, so idli dosa is by itself uh, a probiotic stuff. Absolutely. Ah, brilliant. That that is a very practical answer. That if so, those vegan who want to understand that, what are the other ways by which I can have minus taking any probiotic tablets or capsule. You have a lot of dietary things which can be taken. It's not just yeah. milk and milk products or dahi which can give you. Now, yeah, anything you, you were saying something? No, no, no. Oh, Good. Okay. Important thing, major meals timing. The great fad of finishing your meal before 6 o'clock and uh, uh, early morning. Because there are early risers and there are late risers and there are early sleepers and there are late sleepers. Yeah. What, you are, what the hint was that you should have at least four hours of digesting time for your elementary canal before you go to sleep yeah just expand a little on this eating habits and eating okay. before six o'clock so there is something that is known as time restricted eating okay a time restricted restricted eating pattern which is basically finishing your meals earlier seven o'clock six o'clock whatever is that concept is is for people who even go to bed by 10 o'clock okay so a time restricted eating pattern works very well because you are sleeping lighter, you're waking up early, your morning, we call this a circadian rhythm. Okay, so body has a natural circadian rhythm that is used, that it uses, which clocks with the outside timing. Okay, now when we are looking at this kind of eating pattern, every person has a different lifestyle. Now, if I tell someone who is who works till 11, 12 in the night that no time-restricted eating, it's difficult. You are shunning the metabolism of the person uh, because then you're not going to give food till they wake up next day in the morning till 10, 10, 30. If you want to make an overall lifestyle change, yes, it's a great thing to finish eating early, but finish eating early and then go to bed early. Don't finish eating early and then stay awake till 2 o'clock in the night. Then, then that concept does not match. So then you have to give food again at 9 o'clock and then you have to make sure that the body is metabolically staying agile. Um, so not, not a concept I would apply for everyone. But overall, as a, as a generic thumb rule, finishing your meals early work for people who go to bed early. Otherwise... It's very individualized. It's very customized. Sit across the table with the client and figure it out what time he wants to wake up and what time he wants to go to bed. You know, now during the lockdown, most people are working your <clears throat> timing. Yeah, it was They are sleeping yeah. four and a half hours late. No, nobody sleep before one or two. Everybody's on Netflix and otherwise. Absolutely. That, that was, I think I would have never made those kind of diets that I was making, which had so much snack option at 10 o'clock in the night, 11 o'clock in the night, but still at the end of the week would give me some results. <laughs> so coming to Corona times, what diet would you advise? How would you increase your immunity in the present scenario and in the days to come? Because guys who have come out of Corona well are the guys who have had good immunity. 
Yeah. So, yeah. so you know, I think we all uh, we all spoke a lot about immunity in the beginning, and I think somewhere we even overdid everything because we are the country of Ayurveda, and we know the science of the haldi, and we know how moringa is useful, and how to take our, uh, you know, methi seeds and things like that. So we obviously knew the concepts and the fundamentals of immunity that came from our land. And we started applying all these things in the diet. But I think somewhere we all got a little crazy. And we just overdid it. And then there was haldi happening three times in the day. There was ghee happening. And then there was soup, soup, like green powders happening. And people were growing wheatgrass. And uska din mein juice teen baad. And zinc, and zinc, zinc is happening. And vitamin C is happening. And lemon squeezed. And I think we guys had to really slow down. We just like... Just because you do those things does not mean that your body is going to get a shield. Okay, these things in the right quantity need to be taken in combinations with other meals. Like just taking, say, a zinc without a vitamin C, a iron without a vitamin C, a zinc without a magnesium. These absorptions don't happen very well. So from the diet point of view, if I literally had to tell you very briefly, don't be on extreme drastic diets. It is not the time to completely withdraw food. If you even have, even if you're feeling a little bit unwell, go off doing whatever you are doing and start eating well. I just recently did a video on my Instagram where I was telling people, if you're going to get vaccinated, just take a break from any kind of a diet for two days because it is important. You don't know how your body is responding. So your grains, your fruits, your vegetables, nuts, seeds, like these things, you, you have to have a diet where these things are there. In what quantity? So that it doesn't create a ridiculous weight gain or a side effect with any clinical condition is again underlying please discuss with a professional and then get that sorted in the plan we always come back to you every five minutes we'll come back to you <laughs> nuts what about nuts yeah people went, very, nuts. People went nuts about nuts so what people do you think? went nuts yeah and i think it's very good that they did because uh they are extremely high on good fats okay all nuts and seeds are high on uh we have omega-3s mufas uh, they're extremely high on these combinations uh they are a good source of protein especially during the lockdown when we were uh, struggling to source protein shakes for our athletes i was giving them like a handful of peanuts handful of almonds because this could you know actually gather the total protein that we could manage in the day so that is another thing and third super high on magnesium magnesium is very very important for sleep for re recovery uh, required for headache required for immunity because it's a catalyst in a lot of biochemical reactions which is required for production of anti uh, antioxidants in the body so i guess uh, nuts are a winner all in all how much quantity and what time of the day should it be mixed with food or should it be had in the morning in breakfast time what would the quantity would be subjective uh, because again of underlying clinical factors yeah this would be a safe thing to just say uh, timing of the day nuts can be used as free food in all honesty, they don't interfere with anything when they are being consumed. They don't interfere with uh, anyone's absorption. Uh, they are absorbed very well by itself. So nuts and seeds can literally be added anytime in the day in an individual's diet. Great. And uh, 
something important. How does one increase HDL? Genetically, some people have low HDL, very high VLDL, LDL. Not necessarily that their diets are bad. Hypertriglyceridemia. You know, the biggest problems right now occurring is metabolic problems with people. So not just dietary, but a kind of more rendition towards having hypertriglycerides. Yeah. Low HDL, high VLDL. Any diet yeah. recommend for that? So uh, triglyceride, increased triglyceride for someone who does not have an underlying genetic disorder is directly proportional to the carbohydrate, refined carbohydrates in the diet. Okay, so carbohydrates that are extremely high on glycemic index. So your your sugar, your pastries, your cookies, your biscuits, your cakes, uh, maida, all these things are high glycemic index. They they convert to stored fat as adipose tissue through triglycerides. So if you have high triglycerides, cutting fat is not the point. Getting your carbohydrate content in place is the point. Okay. Second is your HDL. Uh, HDL levels, the good cholesterol, uh, there is the only successful way to increase HDL is to increase exercise. Exercise is known to have metabolically improved the HDL levels in the body. And if, I, if you had to tell me any dietary source, no dietary source is that effective, but exercise with a good diet can support the increase in the HDL level and control the increase in the other lipid profiles. Great. That, that's a very important insight. I agree to disagree with you on the exercise part. However much I'm trying, my HDL is not going up. Not but, going up. But that's the only way out. I understand. I appreciate what you're saying. It's not to contradict <laughs> you, but just, just to let you know. Each of individual is so very different. And which very is why, uh, so, so very important that people like you look at everyone and look at them, particularly to understand what their nuances are, what the plus minus, how good are they following instructions and their dietary habits. So, so important to tell. There is no one diet which fits all. That's, that's the no. bottom line that you are saying. But mm -hmm. now let's come to some better things. What are the mood enhancing things that you can have? Things which can increase my serotonin level. Or a fibromyalgia <laughs> patient. I want to increase my serotonin level. Well, what am I going to take to the, the real good, good ones? Not the pheromones. or All carbohydrates increase serotonin levels. Okay. Uh, so have so, good sugar. Enjoy. Enjoy the right kind of carbohydrates because it will keep you happy. The moment you withdraw carbs, your immediate effect is to get snappy. Whoa. Okay. So Whoa. if you are deciding to withdraw the carbs and you're observing this kind of a snappy mood, you could blame it on a lack of carbohydrate in the diet. That could All be caused. Husbands, be careful. Please do not go on a low carb diet for the wives. <laughs> if you had it, there'll be trouble in the house during Corona time. So one of the things is to have more pastries and cakes and have more mangoes. Maybe become marathon runners and y'all can be on a carb load all the time. <laughs> carb load all the time, yeah. So, so serotonin, instant increase in any kind of sugar, which is why that, you know, those sugar drinks, high sugar Feel drinks. good feeling. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. And uh, any other thing that, you know, the first thing that was talked about was the sugar spikes, which we get the insulin in the diet and the diet. Talk yeah. about on that. How do we stop the insulin surge and low hypoglycemia with hyperglycemia or excessive insulin output that people don't understand? Okay. So insulin is a hormone that is released by the pancreas. Okay. Insulin is released in response to the carbohydrate that you consume. Different types of carbohydrate create a different kind of spike in insulin. 
naturally insulin has enough capacity to handle a uh, entire 1 kg cake in your body it is not going to get you diabetic just because you had so much sugar however there is a huge uh, there are people who have uh, already existing high insulin levels now when your when your already existing insulin level is on the higher side whatever you are consuming so insulin only has few directions that it can take the food to if you are exercising insulin can insulin will convert that food to energy if you are just sitting and not doing anything insulin is going to convert that same food to fat so that is why why exercise is very important is because it can help you bring that insulin level to a little bit of normal by converting food to energy now let's assume a scenario where someone has an hyperinsulinemia and has a circulating high insulin whatever they consume even if healthy because the insulin is just finding it in the blood is going to con- convert it to fat okay so the best strategy to apply to keep the insulin level from not spiking or to not feed an already existing high insulin is to be on a low carbohydrate diet very important it's 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 something very important and vital because people go berserk yeah people are asking which is the time you're on a, what is the first thing that uh, you have in the morning after waking up an 8 hours of so called fasting on an empty stomach what kind of food should you start should you start with a hot water with lime you should be having some haldi you should be having some nuts you should be having some fruits before your cup of tea the cup of tea which goes into you and the sugar spike um okay first of all the 8 hour is not a fast 8 hour is just means so take types okay yeah. you wake up in the morning i would always recommend have a glass of water just dilute the uh, you know acids in the body and uh, having a couple of glasses of water helps there are a lot of people who prefer doing some kind of uh, hydrotherapy where they like have a couple of liters of water even even that is fine now um it's again you would uh, you would be surprised to know that every individual responds very differently to say having haldi in the morning or soaked methi seeds in the morning or having cinnamon powder in the morning because not everyone's acid level and the ph base is not the same some people might get acidic or get a reflux by taking methi seeds that are soaked overnight some people might find it very difficult to digest first thing in the morning uh, some people who have a reflux issue might get nausea so you have to let their acids settle for at least an hour hour and a half before they eat something so there is no thumb rule on the best food on the universe but if i had to go with say 60% of a general population i would say water with lime first thing in the morning is a, is a great way to pump up the vitamin c in the body and then whether you got it in the rest of the day or not it doesn't matter at least you got the first shot in the morning brilliant and now comes the point uh... the good old saying was king's breakfast princess lunch and a pauper's dinner now in that intermittent fasting when you having your last meal let's say 9 o'clock at night or 10 you know 9 yes. o'clock at night and then the next one to be taken at 2 o'clock now suddenly yes. the acids are running in your body yeah There's tremendous acidity going on in the body the sugar is not there you have no breakfast yeah how is that myth now busted it is not a myth okay and first of all i think people are misunderstanding the whole concept of intermittent fasting they have kind of made it so 
customized to their own body type and their own lifestyle that they are feeling eating just eight hours they can eat whatever they want but that's not how it works if you are someone who's going to wake up at six o'clock in the morning seven o'clock in the morning staying fasted till two o'clock in the afternoon is absolutely ridiculous that's not the way you do an intermittent fasting you wake up you take few hours but you need to then finish early so you need to do a time restricted eating and not just because you felt you you know i'll do a 2 to 9 because it gives me more freedom to eat no that's a wrong way and if you are someone who's getting reflux who's getting nausea who's having an acid, underlying acid issue maybe you want to take it easy with the intermittent fasting you are not a candidate for it or even if you are you're not a candidate for it to stay fasted till 2 o'clock then your intermittent fasting needs to be something that needs to start at 10 and then finish by 6 very very important myth that you trying to clear out really appreciate your insight into it and your frankness to understand because people have gone berserk a lot of acidities have come up insulin yeah. levels have changed mood yeah. swings have happened their energy levels have changed just because somebody else was eating between 2 and 9 yeah that's not the best thing to do what is it your body is going to tell you what is your best answer absolutely what yeah. are the common myths and misconceptions that you see with your clients day in and day out that people have I think one of the biggest biggest myths I come across is protein yar. I mean even now I think the the education is so critical for people for protein. Abhi to like it's not just about people who are going to the gym need protein. Protein is such an important nutrient and I think that's one myth I'm busting since over a decade now. And I'm still doing that and I'm still convincing people to eat enough protein in the diet. So I think that's one very very common myth I come across all the time with my clients. Very important that you yeah. may, you have to increase your protein content and you can make it one two <laughs> milligram almost sixty grams is not because I always found whatever you do a uh, uh, vegetarian diet doesn't have more than twenty twenty four grams you know you know so what about eggs now the important question the good proteins from the eggs every possible vitamin. everything good about eggs is being talked about for egg yeah. eggs what's your take on that please go ahead eat eggs and those who are not eating you must start eating <laughs> it's a gold standard where protein is concerned and egg claims around 6 grams of protein 6 to 7 grams of protein per egg you are getting 6 to 7 grams of protein from that egg your body is absorbing digesting and retaining all those 6 to 7 grams of protein from the egg so egg is a gold standard of protein all proteins are compared to egg in terms of their biological value absorption digestion and retention so anyone who is a vegetarian must try and include eggs in their diet as their main source of protein first thing in the morning in breakfast why not why not in lunch why not in dinner so how many eggs you said 6 grams again subjective na what is the protein requirement but you can go up to 12 egg whites and 3 yolks in the day if you can digest it whoa 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 that's there is there is no limit it depends upon your gut capacity hmm. so that's individualistic there's no single absolutely answer. absolutely so a lot of these gym gym trainers you know they tell these new guys who've been working out suddenly going to the gym to take protein supplements and say 10 eggs or 15 eggs egg whites in the morning by god that that could be a disaster then 
they will not be able to the rest of the day has to be calculated see they are going by a thumb rule they are not customizing the plan they are going by their sheer experience because they know in eating 10 to 12 eggs a day is going to give them the power and the muscle build that they need so they kind of just generically go and say that itna to khana hai che protein shake pe add karo fir muscle mass dekho correct correct you know how much time after a good workout should one be having a protein supplement if they do depends what your goal is if your goal is to increase your muscle mass then immediately if your workout was not very intensive muscle breaking then you can just spread the proteins through the day then protein shake is not mandatory post the workout you can take it any time in the day great and now let's come to your famous book the athlete in you my book do you do you recommend everybody should start moving can keep moving my Most book was written keeping only one concept in mind that there is more to life than just doing chest shoulder tricep back bicep kind of workouts okay um athletes even if you are a weekend warrior come with a very different mindset they are very motivated so all i was trying to say through that book is pick up a sport and enjoy that sport and you will you will realize that the dedication that you will have towards playing that sport will just change you as a person because it brings discipline it brings workouts it brings complementary workouts and the diet to support if you want to become a marathon runner if you want to start cycling if you're confused but you want to start swimming as one of your important sports you want to play badi you want to do squash you want to play cricket pick up any of these sports i've spoken about all these sports and the book is guiding you that if you are someone who's never done any workout before but wants to play a sport then eat this way work out this way and hopefully it will bring a lot of motivational changes in your body as well which will be lifestyle brilliant so one of the ways to motivate yourself get your endorphins going is a good sports workout absolutely serotonin and endorphins which are there and the feel good factor yeah. after a good game yes phenomenal thing that that should be incorporated there is no age at which you cannot begin any particular game absolutely not and the commonest thing now before i wind up kanita is walking the least one should be doing is walking am i right yeah. what are the benefits of a walk walking has a lot of benefits uh staying just staying active the reason why we come up with a number of 10000 steps is not that 10000 step is life changing 10000 steps is just a human mind that works well with numbers okay do 10000 steps a day matlab get 80% in college matlab you know we work good with numbers and people work well with numbers so a human mind works well with numbers so with few researches we came to a conclusion that if a human body could stay active for 10000 steps in the day it will keep their structure their frame their body type their metabolism in a good moderate format so walking whether you walk as a workout whether you're using walk as a part of your lifestyle activity like i at at work have a standing desk i don't sit i i have a desk where i'm all the time standing i'm all the time walking and i'm checking on my steps that's purely because it keeps my posture in check okay so i wouldn't i i wouldn't underplay a walk as a part of someone's workout i wouldn't say ah walking hi to kar raha hai no 
Walking can depend a lot about your stride, about your heart rate. You can make it a good volume, oxygen consuming, fat burning kind of a workout. It doesn't necessarily needs to be called as she's just walking. No, it can be very intense. The least you can do is walk. It has phenomenal benefits. Start phenomenal benefits. Phenomenal benefits. Great. You know, at this stage, uh, time being a constraint always in life with a promise yes. that we'll get you back again a couple of times. A yes. lot of questions remain unanswered. <laughs> I hope I answered you though. You're beautifully, beautifully. You know, you cleared a lot of misconceptions. I'm sure it's going to raise a lot more questions. Excellent. That you need a guide for everything. You know, yes. bin guru hakikat And uh, you can't just start because it worked for somebody else. The human yeah. body is phenomenal. What works for my neighbor and my brother will not work for me. Absolutely. For sure, and it will not work for me. Each one of us is made differently. There is no fact that this is the best thing and that is the best thing. Everybody can find their own suitable thing. What suits you, your temperament, your body will tell you. There will be yeah. a good factor. If you are not happy doing something, if, however much somebody tells you, don't have to listen to them. Yes. Your body will definitely tell you without the aches and the pains, the end of in the serotonin, the happiness level, your sleep level, your appetite. Oh, yes. Let me ask you about burping. A lot of people have, you know, the extra burping question. That was a question which is which I left unanswered. How to reduce mm -hmm. that? Again, there has to be some underlying dietary complication because of which they are having. There is some food that is not suiting or they are just drinking too much water between the meals, which is just creating too much air or they are fasted for very long or they are taking certain kind of vitamins that are not suiting them, which can result into gas production. So, yes, it, it can definitely be solved with the diet. Great. And friends, that, that was a very frank talk with Kinita. Very sweet of her to spend such valuable time from her family and give us a lot of understanding about the misunderstanding and the misconception that we have.